You are now entering the MXU podcast. No credentials required. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 79 of the MXU podcast. I'm Jeff Sandstrom, and I'm here, as always, with my co-something. Co-sponsor. Co-sponsor? Okay. Yeah, like AA or NA or... Oh, yeah, like my... my um, Celebrate Recovery. Celebrate Recovery addiction sponsor. Right. Um, I like it. I'm addicted to having a good time. I'm... You, you might as well face it. You're addicted to love. Uh, that's Who sings that? Uh, was that Robert Palmer? I think so. Yeah. That song sounds great. It sure does. It sounds really good. Yeah. All of his stuff sounded good. Sledgehammer. Dude, yes. Were those Bruce Swedeen? I don't know. Now I'm or CLA. Have to look that up. It's got one of those. It, okay. How fast Jeff can Google. Um, you know what song sounds awesome? I can, we didn't even plan on talking about this. Um, no, we didn't. I think it was one of CLA's first mixes. It, um, James Brown, uh, born well, not born in the USA. Why am I forgetting the name of the track? What's the track from the eighties? James Brown about USA. It was on Rocky. It was on the Rocky soundtrack. James Brown. Yeah, I'm googling James Brown. All right, Rocky soundtrack so the name of the song is living in america oh rocky four rocky four well yeah i mean you go up against drago you've got to have a song about america you do but that song sounds so good and it was one of cla's early mixes so go listen to that all right so uh robert palmer addicted to love 1986 it's the third song on the album second single Okay. And yeah, such a good record. And it was, let's see, originally intended to be a duet with Shaka Khan. Wow. Interesting. All right. The song was made without her because her record company at the time would not grant her a release to work on Robert Palmer's label, Island Records. But she is still credited with the vocal arrangement in the liner notes. So for those of you who don't remember albums or CDs, there used to be this thing called liner notes yeah. where you would see all the production credits and writing credits of songs back when people cared about such things. I was a fiend about liner notes. Really? Like there were CDs that I didn't get rid of for years, even after they were imported into iTunes or whatever, just because I didn't want to lose the liner notes. I just loved Growing up, I always loved knowing who was the producer, who was the engineer, who was the the band, and you know which studio musician played drums on which record. It was always kind of a thing. But now it's harder to find those things. It is harder to find. I feel like Apple or somebody made an effort to try and do this. Like when you download a digital album now, you I think yeah. you get a sheet with all that. But with streaming, like. Kids don't care about that stuff anymore, Lee. No, they don't. They just want to make no. playlists. Right. My daughter, when we, she gets in my truck, can I play music? And I hand her my phone. And she has made a oh. Spotify playlist that I subscribe to. And yeah. it's the same 10 songs. And it's same 10 songs. Thomas Rhett. Order. It's Morgan Wallen. It's Florida Georgia Line. And yep. uh, Jonas Brothers. It's like <laughs> country, country, country. And then some weird pop stuff. Yeah, what's funny is I think Britton and Stella 
have secretly been hanging out because that is the story at my house 100 percent. in fact if stella's responsible for inspiring her to do those things i apologize but hers is like thomas rhett thomas rhett thomas rhett and then it'll be like you know kane brown or some other random country thing yep and then lauren daigle chris tomlin thomas rhett thomas rhett thomas rhett morgan wallen luke combs yep it's just it's just very strange. That is strange. But those jokers can write a hook. I'll I'll just say that. They totally I mean, can. Hey, where crazy. where's Jay? I don't know where Jay is. He was supposed to be here today. You know, he is actually on tour before our tour. Yeah. So, we're going to have a lot of stories to get from Jay because the tour he's on right now is with none other than Bob Goff. Yeah, so he's on a bus, Apparently, and he yeah. smelled something burning, and he texts us, and he's like, hey, guys, I can't make the podcast. I'm dealing with a bus thing. Something's burning. And now yeah, he won't write back. That's never a good sign. No. He might be um, you know, elbows deep with the mechanic inside the engine bay of the bus going, what are we going to do about this fan belt or whatever? Totally. But on his yeah. first day of tour, he sent us a picture of him, Bob, Bob's wife, and two other people on the tour all wearing astronaut suits. Yeah, I really want to know like the stories behind things like that because you know there's something like that happening every day with Bob. Totally. He is a crazy person. He is. But apparently Bob just called Jay and he's like, hey, buddy, I want to go on tour. Can you help me set it up? So Jay did the whole like selecting venues, routing, busing, tour management stuff, and it's just taking Bob to – Eight different cities in the next couple of weeks just to go and talk to people. I love it. That is awesome. And then we're going on tour, and uh, we have multiple sellouts to announce. Atlanta. Yeah, we have we have some announcements to make. Atlanta has now sold out. Charlotte is sold yes. out. Denver is sold out. Yes. Um, today, Thursday, September 2nd, Nashville has one ticket left, so it's sold out. Can't get that if yep. you're listening to this. So Chicago, Dallas, and LA, and Tulsa. Yep. Are the only that remain. And technically, I mean, Dallas is slammed. We should Dallas probably is, shut that off. Yeah. Dallas is oversold. I think we need to shut down Dallas and just send those people to Tulsa. That's Tel- Tulsa has plenty of room. It's going to be a great event, and there's a lot of people going, but it has way more margin left than Which is Dallas not does. much. There's 25 left for Tulsa at this point. No, I know. So yeah. it's not awesome. Go to LA, though. Yeah. Even if you're unvaxxed, we'll let you in. We won't tell anybody. We won't force you to get a vaccine. If you yeah. if you want to get one, that's up to you. It's totally fine. That's up to you. That's fine. Yeah. We'll even let you wear a mask if you if you need to. Totally. Yeah. But yeah, it's going to be great. I think, you know, it's funny. I think some people might be hesitant to go to LA because it's the first show of the tour. But in a way, I think it's potentially the most exciting because... Honestly, we really have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> no, and as you're going to hear our interview today is we have Chris Raybold and Corbin Phillips from Thrive Worship on the podcast today to talk about how Chris is going to approach mixing the band. So the conversation you'll hear in a few minutes is them meeting each other for the first time. I mean, they met each other 30 seconds before when we hit record. Um, yeah. And then Chris and Corbin talking about the tracks and the band and the layout and mics, and it's awesome. So the first day, 
will be Chris's first time turning the knobs with the band on stage. So go to yeah. LA and see that. So for those of you who've been living under a rock, the live band is happening on day two of each of our two-day events. And so Corbin and some of the Thrive Worship folks are going to be the band for the second day of our two-day events. And that's when we're going to not only unpack what Chris is doing with the mix of the band, but you guys are going to have a chance to hear their inner mixes through Clang, courtesy of our friends at Digico. We're going to have packs for everybody to have a listen to what's going on in some of the mixes. We're also going to talk about lighting and video because at the end of the day, we're basically going to do a three-song worship set with cameras and lighting that we program throughout the day. And who knows? I mean, our camera ops might just be some audio folks that we pull out of the audience and give them a camera training throughout the day so that they can do something new and we can uh, talk about training volunteers. So the day is going to be packed with all kinds of super helpful information and tips and ways to take things back to your team that will be really helpful for your workflow. So we cannot wait. So go get those tickets. Um, most of the after parties are sold out. LA and Tulsa have some after party tickets left. Um, and then speaking of training, MXU Now and MXU Teams, um, the Persona Studio Live videos are now in, they are in, a, what do we call it, quality control. We sent, those, yeah. we sent those over to Personas to watch before we release them in case Jeff made a mistake, which he's never done before. Well, I'm on all of those videos, and my biggest fear is that they're going to email us back and go, guys, what were you thinking? This is not how this console works. We need to start over. <laughs> well, it's pretty raw and organic. so It is, yeah. But it's fun. I think it's uh, for people who have that console or are considering that console, I, th I hope it's helpful. I think we did, we did a pretty good job of explaining what it is and how it works, and Maybe gave people some ideas on, you know, how to mix on it too, which is fun. Yep. Also, the videos that Rusty and Jeremy shot on the Ross Carbonite system, touch drive, and then how to train directors in your church. That one's in line next to get edited. And then I just heard we finished the Lee Your Mix Suck series, and that's going to come out in the next few weeks too. So that's, I think that's coming out before any of those others. So great. Right before the tour, you guys will get to hear Lee's transformation in his mix from when we first started all this to when it got a little sideways to getting it back to better. Yep. And now we get to go do it all over again on tour. And here, Raybold actually show me how it should be mixed. <laughs> That's what I'm looking forward to. Well, speaking of tickets... Our friends at Amplio yes. have a great event that we want to talk about as well. Yes, and it's free. Free. They're, I think this is a first for the worship production creative technical community. I think it has to be. I mean, I've seen a couple of like meetups at Top Golf. I've seen some like, okay, we're gonna do a dinner somewhere and hang out and do something around a conference, but this is this is totally different. So it's around Infocom in October. Yep. If you're, if you're going to Infocom, you need to spend the day of October 28th. Infocom ends the 29th. So it's the day before the end of Infocom at the Amplio first annual golf tournament. The Worship Classic. Yes. In Orlando, Florida at Celebration Golf Course. It's completely free. 
guys. And I talked to Dylan this morning. There's yeah. only 30 spots left. Okay. So I think, I think this podcast needs to fill all 30 of those spots. Totally. But I think you had a good idea of how to do that. Yeah. So here's what I think this is a great opportunity. Um, I don't know if you've heard us say this before, but we feel like it's important to build relationship with our worship leaders, our executive pastors, our senior pastors. And that's crazy talk. I know, right? And you're probably thinking, <laughs> I'm a tech guy. I don't play golf. Or maybe you are, and you want to get your uh, new Titleist um, irons out and go beat Jeff, which is impossible. But <laughs> I guarantee you, your worship guy plays golf. Your communications director might. Your executive pastor and your senior pastor, dang sure play golf. Definitely play golf. So what a great opportunity for you to go to them and say, hey, We've been invited to play at this golf tournament in Orlando at the end of October, and it's free. There's a dinner afterwards where we're going to give away a lot of stuff, and the gift bag that every single person's getting has $300 worth of goods in it. It's crazy. I cannot wait. So if you've never been to a golf tournament before, like the gift bags are always good. They don't have 300 bucks worth of stuff in them. They maybe have $50 worth of stuff in them. And Jeff is playing in the tournament. Yep. Um, who are you playing with right now? Well, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a mystery because we were talking last week with Rusty and Jeremy, and they were kind of fighting over which one of them gets to be on the team. So yeah, I'm not sure. Dylan and I were talking about it uh, the other day, and he's gonna he's gonna figure it out. But everybody just needs to know that if you want to be on the winning team, you need to be playing with with us okay we're gonna have a great time so if you're listening to this and you shoot in the low 80s you, you might be able to get on jeff's team because he's gunning for that trophy that's right just send me a resume because i've been clearing space on my desk for the first annual uh worship classic golf tournament trophy but then on par three number 10 i'm making that number up but a, a par three um myself zach kimry and jay desai are going to be hanging out under the MXU tent with our Yeti coolers and Traeger that Zach is going to be cooking wings on all day for everyone on the par three. Heck yeah. Now I'm going to play every, every group that comes through, I'm going to play with, and we're going to do a closest to the pin contest. So if you get closest to the pin on the par three, closer than me, you're going to win something from us. So it's a basically a contest against you on that hole. Against me, yeah. And I'm not yeah. that good. So but but my my wedges are the best. Yeah, but there's 80 players in the tournament, right? Yeah. So you're going to have to play that hole basically 18 times. 20 times. 20 times, yeah. Yeah, yeah because you got 20 foursomes coming through. You've got 20 chances to lose. To a lot of really good tech folks. Yep. And we're still working out the details on this, but that par three that we're on, if someone gets a hole in one, the prize is going to be insanity. I don't want to say what it's going to be yet because it's not confirmed, but we're working on something. Yeah. It'll be more than a scooter. Oh, yeah. We'll see. It may, yeah. it may have more wheels than two. And a bigger motor? Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. It's going to be fun, though. So go to amplio.golf 
and sign up for the tournament. Yep. AMPLIO.golf and sign up. It's free to sign up. It's free to play. You just got to get your butt to Orlando for Infocom or not for Infocom. Just go for the tournament. It's fine. It's true. October 28th. It's going to be a party. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to tee the conversation up that you're about to hear um, again. Again, Chris Raybold, Mixing, Thrive Worship. First time meeting Corbin Phillips. Corbin Phillips, first time meeting Chris Raybold. And then actually towards the end of this conversation, Jeff jumps in because he just got off an airplane. Yeah. So um, you'll hear Jeff out of nowhere come in towards the very end. But Don't be scared. Don't be scared. Enjoy <laughs> this convo. Go get your tour tickets. Sign up for MXU Teams and go to Amplio.golf to come and take Jeff's trophy. All right, I'm here with Chris Raybold and Corbin Phillips. So this is going to be awesome. So this conversation is designed to show you what it's like when an audio engineer and a worship leader, lead singer, MD, meet each other for the first time because they're about to work together. So Chris and Corbin, Chris and Corbin. (laughs) How you doing, Chris? Nice. I'm good, buddy. So a little backstory. So Corbin is... Um, the worship pastor at Bayside Church and leads Thrive Worship, which is the worship expression of of Bayside, um, because Bayside Worship's not as cool of a name as Thrive Worship is. <laughs> um, but this is the band that I mix. So what's awesome about this for me, a couple things, is at our tour stops coming up in L.A., Dallas, and Chicago, we're going to have a live band there for day two. So on day one... I'll be mixing these tracks, but on day two, Corbin and the band are coming in and Chris is going to mix the band live in the room. So we wanted to capture this conversation and record these guys meeting each other. And then I sent Chris um, some of the new songs a couple days ago. So he's had a chance to listen. And then Corbin knows, hey, Chris Raybold, super famous front house guy, is going to mix you guys. So, so here we So here we go. Right. So here we are. <laughs> um, and you know, it's, this actually can be as organic as it needs to be, because like I said, I have crammed and done my, did I, I guess I said that off camera. Yeah. I, I, or off recording, I, I crammed yeah. and listened to you guys this morning and that's the extent of it. I love it. You know? So I, I'm so curious, just the, your off the cuff reactions to us. Y- what, you know what? Yeah. And it, it was, I was walking around the house here a second ago, kind of getting ready to do this. And I have one client that he often asks me, will always ask me, how, how it sounds. And sometimes I'll tell him my answer, and it's my knee-jerk gut reaction. I'll say big. Mm. That's my first thought. I can always tell it's like he wants more, but I'm like, no, I mean it. Like, that's my answer. And that is kind of what I was thinking earlier when I was listening, is it sounds big. Yeah, and I listened to both some lives, the studio stuff, and some live stuff too. In both of them, the 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 live, actually, in fact, the live stuff made me grin because <laughs> I know it's coming up, but also it's like I see where you guys are going with it, and and you did it because it sounds, I don't want to say larger than life, but it sounds big. Mm. So that's my off. The, how, how does that feel? I that's love my, that. <laughs> no, you know, here's the funny thing too is like I'm such an audiophile. I actually started my career mixing. Um, mm-hmm. and that's right. I worked for Lee back in the day. And, <laughs> uh, so, you know, for me, I'm, I'm always 
super sensitive, super picky to the audio. And and I think it's funny you say the word big. Um, we actually went with this particular album. We went with uh, a guy that has never mixed stuff for us before, uh, but has done a lot of big stuff. Um, a guy named Tiago, and uh, he, the reason why we love his stuff is it is big. He he's really yeah. good at making things sound big and full. Um, and specifically the vocals, man. I was like, dude, this guy gets vocals. And uh, the, when I first got the, I, I always am on a journey mixing my vocal. I'm a studio guy. I'm always trying new chains, always trying new things. When I got the first uh, track back that had my vocal on it, I just sat there and it was almost like, defeated and so excited at the same time like <laughs> right like how have i not gotten that yet oh my gosh that's amazing totally so yeah. I, it's funny you say that because i actually totally agree I, I love that we um we're, we're all kind of audiophiles on this on this crew here so we we do like when things sound big yeah dude how, i can't tell you how much time corbin and i have spent talking about vocal mics and vocal processing well i mean it, it's funny that you said that which that whole backstory would explain the sonic approach and also the, the end result, which again, and I'm not just saying this cause we're meeting, but kudos, you did it like, mm, like that's awesome. mission accomplished, you know, <laughs> but, um, we're here, like we're here to talk about, cause I'm curious about the track layout and also just general philosophy approach. Um, but that being said, the main, main, main thing I noticed as far as the bigness, uh, is that a word? Sure. The, um, <laughs> was the the vocals yeah and particularly the the lead vocal and and i was thinking to myself that's actually i know exactly how to get that it's just going to depend on if it works in the room and yeah. i guess it'll be you singing so i was going to say the singer but i didn't know <laughs> that and then it's going to be all dependent on you know this so you this, got, oh, I'm sorry. We're not. We're just doing video on the you know the vocal mic technique. Like I can, we can do that reverb all day long, as long as it makes sense in the room. It doesn't sound hokey and fake. Yep. And as long as a, there's enough push into the mic to to generate it and not bring everything else with it, which that's a challenge even for the best of singers. You know. Yeah, you got your work cut out for me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, we, we'll see. I think with you guys, I'm just going to keep it. I say I'm going to keep it super simple. Like, I don't know. I haven't even thought about it. I'm going to have a template, but so, so the people, I don't want to do a bunch of stuff that the average viewer or listener doesn't have access to. You know what I mean? Like, yep. I'm going to try yeah. to, you just use the stock stuff on the desk and just be like. what? Which I love. I, I think that, uh, you know, just from a, a concept and a, and a mentality standpoint, like, that's basically what that chain was that is on the um, on the record. Even it's so simple, um, mm -hmm. very accessible. Um, and you know, I think you, you said something that that made me uh, have a thought. You know, just talking about the approach of of what got us to that sound, even. And I think you know, you you mentioned the lead vocal, and I think the reason why we wanted that so big on the album and so and so prominent. Um, you know, I, the level is obviously correct, but it, it just feels like it's there. It's it's surrounding you. I think the reason why is there's so much that uh, story that we're telling on this album. You know, I think mm -hmm. about um, a song like Pour Your Spirit Out that's got, I, I mean, literally telling my story in that. Like we have a verse that's unorthodox in there where I share a bit of my testimony. Um, but I think overall, you know, what we're doing with these songs is like th the world in general today just needs to hear stories of hope. 
um, stories mm-hmm. of encouragement. And I think that uh, anytime you get some songs like this batch that uh, kind of hit, have some lyrics that hit between the eyes. Yeah. I think that's why we made the decision to, to go with such a prominent vocal. Um, Cause mm-hmm. it really does. It's, we want to keep the main thing, the main thing on this, but at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm a, a studio guy and I want to hear that band. Um, yeah. I want to hear those drums. Um, I know. And that's always, that's always the, the balance, right? It's like that vocal up in front, but then you don't want it to be karaoke. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, all that being said, so, you know, and again, this conversation always looks different and it, 100% depends upon how much time we have and how approachable the person I'm talking to is. And, uh, you know, um, it's seeing that this is going to be, a, I, I, I see where this, I see this as being easier than a lot of times that I do this. <laughs> so, and I was trying to think of what to do and I could, you know, I can ask some questions which are more or less leading the witness and then get to the punchline, but then you're going to be wondering why he's asking. I'm trying to figure out the best way to do it. I think what, I'll tell you what I'm thinking of great, um, or what I'm like most curious about. And then my question is, you know, basically, can you just describe to me the deployment of the tracks and not necessarily what they are, but just what are we doing with the tracks versus what are we doing with the band? Yep. You know? And so, so my, I guess my statement of sorts to lead in is I'm really curious more than anything about what could potentially flam um mainly percussively yep not just you know uh and when i say live i mean live kicks and live snares on the track so both live kicks and snares and any other drums um anything else rhythmically which is not as substantial even a snap and a clap Mm -hmm is way different than a snare and a snare trying to live together. You know what I mean? And also I hear some of the, I hear the big synth stuff. So I'm just curious what's in there versus what's being played. Like you get, you get what I'm saying, right? Yeah. It's all great questions. Um, you know, I think we try to take a minimalist approach as often as possible. We usually use the tracks to supplement whatever everybody's playing live. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's some scenarios like even this one where we're coming out, we have a slightly smaller band than we would normally do. We try to get, 14, 15 people on stage. Um, and I think we're doing four or five at this, uh, maybe, maybe six. I can't remember exactly. Um, gotcha. So there's probably a level of going, yes, we're, we'll be picking and choosing. Um, the cool thing is way, the way we set up our tracks, and I don't know if this is something we can even do in this in that uh, that event, Lee, but the way we set up our tracks is we they're very customizable on the fly. Um, we've got, hey, like multiple times Lee's gone, that guitar part needs to get out of the loops. Boom, mute it. Uh, Hey, that tambourine is just totally not working. Uh, mute it. Boom, it's gone. So I think like that's kind of the the unique thing about us is because we're all very versed in the studio and we we want to have that product. We want to have that back and forth with front of house. Um, a lot of this is customizable on the fly. Um, very quick changes. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'd say like th- with having a piano uh, player up there, likely going to be playing some. Um, some atmospheric pads with piano, um, mm-hmm. maybe doubling a lead. We've got a, a keys Ableton session as well that we try to get all of our um, sounds in from our from whatever song we're playing. So yeah, cool. th- then they've got that on a little fader bank that they can pull up and down. Um, mm-hmm. The approach has always been for us: as much as we can play live, we're going to do. 
um, and then let the tracks supplement. But as far as kicks and snares, um, I've never seen a, a real kick or a real snare in our tracks. I maybe a, a like an EDM one to do like a fast song, but not in anything right. we've done with Thrive lately, and definitely not in these. Um, definitely some kind of topper uh, percussive loops, you know, kind of stuff like that. But outside of a shaker and a tambourine, it's not much more. Yeah. When I was listening to it, that was in that. And I, I hear the big live, what I now know as like worship drum sound. I hear the big live drums and then really that's all. And I, I, cause what I was thinking I was might hear just because it, it is what it is now was, you know, the beat being prominently programmed drums. Yeah. Um, it, which is cool. And I love in, in which case it then comes, you know, the, the question would be, well, can we do those live? You know, in other words, can we put them on like an SPD or something? Totally. For the guy to play. And that's always such, we did a podcast earlier, uh, MXU and a couple ones ago. And I was talking about, you know, from my end, it's 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 managing what like what are what are the clients needs versus like what are my you know my ego's needs which is of course i want to do it all but maybe that's not the right idea because truth be told what would ensure the most accuracy every single time and thus the message getting across best it would be full track but that's not that fun you know what i mean <laughs> um but if you had come to me if you know if you had said nope it's all in there in fact, if we hit spacebar, essentially the album plays and the band is there too, then it's on me to be like, okay, I hear you loud <laughs> and clear. So how do we work around that? You know what I mean? Yep. Um, but I did, I heard, I heard the live drums and then I heard all the, like the shakers and all that little stuff. Not only am I like, oh, that's okay. Which first of all, it's not, it's not really my place to say whether something's okay or not. It's just like, again, it, just on a tech, on a math level does it all fit together that stuff not only is is okay it's super cool you know totally i love and and sometimes the little program loops really those aren't nearly as problematic as i was just really wondering you know are we going to have things stepping on on top of one another and if so how open would you be to to pulling them out well um definitely open yeah. to pulling them out um and i think too even just from the approach that we took making the the record it was going kind of that same mentality like how do we how do we make sure that the uh, the elements in this song are there for a purpose um, and can be replicated by churches can be replicated by another band um, mm-hmm. without having the whole thing? So I, the, again, back to our our mentality, even on weekends when we do church right now, it's how little can we keep in the loops and still yeah. still get the message across? I think yeah. the same same approach with this. And it's funny that I I, I mean. There's no right or wrong way, you know, and, and that's not just lip service, but I truly believe this. It's like, if the message, if the, the most effective way to get the message across is that scenario that I mentioned where, Hey, if we hit space bar, the album plays, then so be right. But it is amazing. You know, I've run into other camps where they've really struggled with tracks and I'll tell them, all right, guys, we got to dig in or I'll, you know, we'll, we'll set a plan like, okay, we got to dig into these tracks. And they're so worried because of their experience. They're like, oh, but man, we've just really had trouble. And I'm like, no, 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 we're going to be peeling away layers. Yeah. Like we're not going to make it more complicated. We're gonna actually going to make it less. And it's amazing how much more impactful 
and again, it's simple math. It's just flaming and phasing and all of that. You know, oh, yeah. you, you guys know because you're because you're mixers. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, and I guess it depends too. Like some of the stuff that I'm digging about this conceptually is the people that are watching. It also depends on how much time we have. Like as open right. as you might be to for us producing a new layout, it might be, hey, bands here at nine. The congregation walks in at 945, in which case, right. <laughs> it, just go for it. Yeah. And, and Lee, I might do that that way a couple, I might try to do it a little different where some days maybe we converse some Corbin and some days I'm just like, okay, send it. What yeah. do you have? What does yeah. it look like? You know? I think we'll have, we have somewhere in the middle on the time mm-hmm. looking at that day because it's like lighting, video. And then we do sound check and and we play. So it'll be like an hour and a half, two hours max to do get the band on stage, an ears check with Kyle, and you to do what you need to do. It, but it'll be one of those like where it's both. It's you and Kyle kind of going at the same time. Got it. And and Kyle D or, or or Corbin, do you know the um the actual track layout? Is like one and two drums. Da, 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 da. Do you know what it is? Like for the stems, or are you talking band? Correct. For the stems, for how the stems. I'd see it on an input list. Yeah, I think w- w- generally what we've done is actually just we sum them all from Ableton and send a, a loop left, right, and kind of a sub um, that usually has, if there is anything with low end on there, definitely a synth bass on there, which half the time we mute. Um, and Anything that would be like has a deeper impact to it might might end up on that one, but usually it's just a summing thing that we do because we have so much flexibility within Ableton that we can toss things around, turn things up and down, mute them. Um, we try to stay. It's just kind of like a, a general principle we do at our church, anyways. But we try to stay as flexible on the fly as possible. Mm-hmm. There is that interface we have done where it'd be a stereo. I've just called it like tracks and it's like a catch all and then a stereo perk. Yep. I've done that one before to get all the percussive stuff out or I've done um, like a leads. So if there's mm-hmm. like hooks and lead lines that you want to like, they need to go up eight DB, but you don't want to turn up the percussion eight DB. You could separate those out in another stereo pair. And then like you said, that sub bass stuff that usually I just want out because I've got a bass guitar. Totally you know, assaulting people with 40 Hertz already. I don't need <laughs> right. the everything else. And then there are, are there stereo gang vocals on these y- new yeah, ones? Yeah, there are. Yeah. So you'll have that big gang vocal track too. So then is it possible to do, it sounds like it is. And in fact, and this is as real as it gets. Can't, I'm just going to propose this as a layout. I love it. Could we do, let me rephrase that. Let's do, I'm going to call it, I'm writing this down, drums left, right, which, and that means just literally anything percussive. Right. You know what I mean? Um, It would be cool if we could do your sum, I'll call, well, can we do this many? Could we do drums left, right, music one left, right, music two left, right, I'll explain. And then BGVs, left, right? Is that too? And tell me if it's too many, because we'll cut down to. No, I think I think we've got 
eight outputs, maybe seven outputs that we're we're capable of on. on and do the you do inside. click? But do you do click on those as well? Correct. Okay, so if you've got seven, then we'll then we would do this. Then we would do ideally drums left right. I'm going to call it music left right, and it literally just means the kitchen sink. Great, whatever you got, and then definitely to your point, Lee, about the man. I need the vocals eight dB louder, but I don't need everything else. And then I'm going to call it BGVs, but just vocals left and right. That's six, and that leaves seven for click. Is that doable? I think that's great. Uh, to jump in technically, Corbin, I think there's nine. Ah, because you have click and account track, right? Yep. Yeah. So, Chris, I think you can do seven. I, you know what? And we'll then they get click and count six to keep them all stereo. Cool. Perfect. Just for my own little weird math in my head, the way I like to look at metering. Um, and for the Gosh, I guess that's the only person listening. For the super nerd listening, the reason I say that is I want all my tracks. <laughs> I, want, I want all my tracks. The way I do tracks, and everybody will see it there, is I'll ask whoever's in charge of tracks. Um, is that your drummer in this scenario? or? Uh, yes, that is the, yeah. that's how we run it's it. Off, it's often the drummer. Or if there's a Pro Tools guy or whatever, I'll be like, all right, take me to the loudest part. Just look at the meters. Either you know the songs or look at, not the meters, but the waveform. Yep. Take me to the loudest part and just loop a section. And I'll find my peak value on my meters based on whatever the drums are doing. And so if that gain ends up at four, I then make the gain, you know, the gain for the others become four. And then I listen and make sure that sounds like music. But in doing that, because of the panning law, on consoles, you know, negative 10 on a stereo track at zero dB at nominal is going to also be that same value in the stereo bus as you just saw. So Mm. if it's negative 10, it's going to be negative 10. If I take a mono track and gain it up to negative 10 because of what's, I'm just going to guess a, you know, the negative three dB pan law on most desks, that thing comes up at negative three. Then my math is off. It just throws me off. You know what Chris, I mean? you're blowing my mind right now. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> Here's the deal. This is a hindrance. My way of thinking is both very neat and analytical and almost allows me at times to mix by method. But if, you, but if I get too stuck on this, I quit listening. Mm. If, that, that's my message to the people right mm. now is like, what I'm saying is correct and it all works. But be careful how much you lean on it, because if you're sitting there sweating a meter, I'm the only one sweating the meter. Everyone else just wants to listen to music. Yeah, does that make sense? I'm not. I promise I'm not going to derail us here. But we got time. I'm so interested in that because, and Corbin knows this. I'm just right now obsessed with the levels in the buses. Me too. Because (laughs) my gosh, I feel like when. I get one light away from red, which should not sound any different than 10 lights away from red. It sounds different. Yeah. Man, I feel so, that. And, and everyone's yeah. going to see. I mean, I mix because it's, we could mix and peak it live and pick, peak at negative 20 full scale. And it doesn't matter because you could turn it up somewhere else. But I mix to the top. Just because we're the mixing and the mastering, we're the all-in-one, you know what I mean? 
Yeah. And so Lee, I live there, man. I live there, not 3 dB below. I live like over dadgummit. Now I got to pull it all back. I mean, yeah, con- me too. constantly. And I, most mixers I know do, mm. even if they're trying to be, you know, I'm just always trying to see how close to the top can I get it without going over. Um, and that's me like paying attention. Some guys pay no attention and they just live there and it works out and they're fine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, and also when you have, you know, 12 drum mics and you're sending all those to a stereo bus and those 12 drum mics, you've got six DB of headroom before you clip on the inputs. When they all stack up in the bus, now you're in the red. Well, and this is the beauty. Now here is the most organic thing that's happened today is this conversation right here. And that's the era of tracks and bands. Yep. If you're just mixing one, like when you guys trot everybody out on that second day and it's like, okay, sound check time. I'm not, I'll check, I'll probably check the band first. I'll definitely check the band first, but I'm not done there. Mm, it's like, right. and back in the day, if that's all you were mixing, you're done. But now yeah. we've got one with the other. And that's the whole point, you know, of this conversation is, what does one plus one equal? Because yep. it still has to equal the same that one always produced. Yep. You, you know? And yep. um, where this suit, I've always been a big, uh, what's up, Jeff? Jeff Sandstrom has joined the party, everyone, fresh off Delta Airlines flight <laughs> 713 from Atlanta to Greenville. <laughs> Freshly unmasked Jeff Sandstrom. Yeah. Um, uh, go ahead, Jeff, just jump in where you see it fit. And you know what I what I was going to say I've always been big into metering just being a it was almost like that was my coaching early on was the importance of zero and what zero meant but it wasn't until I started doing band and tracks that it went from just a reference to a oh boy this is a there needs to be my own set of checks and balances with this metering as a safety net because now I'm essentially mixing two things and adding them together to equal one. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. 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 I mean, and you know, I think even just from the side of, of creating the music and, and like I said before, being such studio guys, we, we realized something on the last album with a song called a thousand more that it sounded bigger than all the other ones. And we dove in and like, there's less in here than any other song. Isn't that funny? And it's it's a classic studio rule. You want it to sound bigger, you you go smaller. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's back to your original comment about the it sounding big. I think that was one approach we had from the beginning. Is is what's the what is the bare minimum on this? Like what what is the bare minimum to tell the story and to to really make the the sonic picture of this explode like we want it to? And I so much of what you're saying on the technical side is like I yeah, it's like we're we're messing even with where we pan things because it's going that sounds significantly louder if it's out to the right than if it was tucked in maybe just 10 to the right. Um, right. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that's so much of that is what helps make the music speak. It's awesome. Yeah, I'm sitting here thinking about arrangements that sound huge. And I mean, there's very, there's various kinds, but a lot of times if you think of like a Quincy Jones arrangement or something, man, it's like everything you hear, you're like, that's gigantic. And then the next thing you hear, you go, oh, no, wait, that's gigantic, too. And then the whole the whole picture is combined with gigantic, yet it's not too much. Hmm. Yet so many times, the whole picture is really not that big. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, there's yep. just not that many pieces. 
And a lot of times live, we end up in trouble where whatever the studio arrangement was, was the perfect amount. And it was chosen for a reason and it was deemed good for a reason at a time. And now we are willingly taking it and adding more. Yep. And so even if we're being smart and even if we're being sparse, we're still adding more to what was already basically perfect. I saw. And, and, And you end up with this thing. And a lot of times it's like, it's not that it becomes too loud. It becomes too, there's just too many, there's too many people talking at once, so to speak. You know? So funny that you should be having this conversation just as I walk in off the plane, because last night I was at a rehearsal at a church with some friends of ours, and this very thing was the conversation in their control room around their broadcast console, mm. because they were they just wanted some input on how things sound to an outside set of ears. And the sounds and the sound of the mix were both great. But the overall impression and impact and all of those things was just kind of meh because of how small everything turned out because there were so many things happening. It's almost like this additive approach when you've got a full arrangement of a great band, but then you try to add and find a space in the mix for all these tracks and all this extra routing and bussing and plugins and compression. And it's like all these tricks and hoops that they were jumping through to get this result. As good as the result sounded, it was just so normalized and so squashed that I think part of that Quincy Jones thing is just, it was so open and so much more dynamic and so much more just there's 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 room for so much air on top of those recordings because it wasn't just made small by all the tools that we now think we need. Mm-hmm. So when we went in and just kind of like we did at our all access event last week, we went in and started undoing some of those things and all of a sudden the whole mix started to open up. Mm. And it was very strange. And every time I experienced that, it's just a new phenomenon. It's like it never sounded bad to begin with, but they had just gone so far down this road of extra bus pass and extra mm-hmm. compression and extra, 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 that when all that started coming off, it was like, oh, there's the source again. There's the arrangement. There's those parts that aren't just sort of a stack of mush but clarity Mm -hmm. and you know it it was it was a remarkable experience and every time it happens i don't i don't know why i continue to remark at it because it makes sense because it happens every time it's very Mm -hmm. weird it's cool that you can say every time because that means you know because it's very rewarding too and i think that's cool to unearth it numerous times to be rewarded with that like oh wow oh cool this is how we can do it you know but how easily we've how easily we forget like why don't we remember next time so that we don't have to get back to every time (laughs) (laughs) and i I think what corbin what you guys do like is about the closest to that in that you know if you're thinking a how do we do this now in the studio but you can also be thinking, okay, if this message 
aside from the recorded version, needs to be able to be replicated, duplicated, infinity, sort of how do we set ourselves up for that plan too, you know? Um, Because it really is, it's funny, I had a, we were joking the last time, I think it was off camera, we were joking about some of these little mementos back here. And I had a friend of mine who, uh, he's a studio engineer, and he was over at my house one day, and he was like, really? Hold on, hold on, hold, hold on. Yeah. By mementos, everyone, he means platinum albums that are hanging on the wall behind him. <laughs> of so. which there are not 50. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but it's, let's be honest, it's more than a little memento. Right. Okay. Absolutely. I, Fair. I've been trying for a month to figure out what that orange one is with the uh, character caricatures on we'll it. We'll zoom in on that one someday. That's this weird Bruno one we got that it looks like you got it done at like six flags or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's yeah. like a little caricature. It, it, it's a hundred percent that, um, which is also very much that camp. Like what about, what is this? Um, but it ain't a Bruno funny. bobblehead. It's a Bruno platinum album. It, Let's it, just it be is. honest. It, it is. Fair. <laughs> I love, I love the honesty, the fairness. Yeah, that's real. So with respect to those, this buddy of mine walked in, he's a studio engineer and he's great. And he didn't mean to me dismissive, but he was like, really? You guys get those for, you know, like the tour aspect mm-hmm. or the whatever? His, he probably said it way less eloquently. It was more just like, yeah. why do you have that, basically? Yeah. And, and I gave him whatever answer at the moment, but I think about that a lot. And the answer is, is because, you know, the life cycle of a song and a promotion is, is not, it's, the, it's all of it. It's the recording, there's the that version, and then at least in the touring world, you know, there would be the promo cycle, and then the tour cycle, and it those all add up to the greater whole, and it's almost, you know, your all's message is (laughs) way greater, and way bigger, and probably going to last way longer, (laughs) so um, it's like, it all matters, you know what I mean? It, it, It all matters. That point is correct, because in worship music especially, it's like, you know, I was, I went last weekend to see Chris Tomlin, the artist that I mixed for for ten years. People come expecting to hear those songs that were on those albums from ten years ago because they've been a part of their church experience for that whole time. And so there's a there's a significance that goes beyond what they just may have heard last year on the radio. Mm-hmm. There was a you know there's a personal, emotional, spiritual connection. To some of those songs and if chris shows up and only does the songs from last summer's record everybody's going to be disappointed because they're there to worship and experience a taste of what god has for them in those moments and what that music has meant to them not just as a song on the radio over the years but as a a part of their church experience and i think it is more significant yeah in a lot of ways I think that's super interesting, Jeff, because you you think about just uh, the worship genre. If you take it, if you want to look at it from the music sense of going, this genre was built upon a more simplistic production approach. It was built upon uh, trying to make the main thing the main thing. And you hear the jokes a lot of times in in rehearsals or whatever, like, oh, sounds like a kick drum, sounds like a snare drum. It's like, yeah, it does, because that's the foundation of like the modern worship sound. And it's... It's funny as we've um, gone through the last four or five years of maybe trying some new things in worship music in that genre, um, how it always somehow comes back to like, yeah, but what if we just had 
the kick sounding great and the snare sounding great and the guitars hitting you in the face and the vocal just telling the story. It's yeah. funny. I saw this post from a guy named Craig Bauer did some Kanye stuff back in the day. And he goes to the, to our point earlier, I get clients all the time asking, can you make the vocal sound bigger? And he'll go, which one do you think sounds bigger? An acapella vocal or like a fully loaded rock song? And they go, well, yeah, it sounds bigger on the acapella song because that's the only thing there. And I think that as uh Worship music has developed over the years, and especially on the sonic side of things. Some of the my favorite albums, and I think some of the most successful albums, they're so simple, um, and they do sound big because there's so uh, little distraction going on within it. It's yeah. every every part is chosen, um, and it's EQ'd and it's compressed and it's um, sent to effects in a way that's trying to tell the story. And it, that's why I love uh, like being a originally more of a pop guy and loving that side of things. I love where I'm at today, being able to do worship music because it is such a unique flavor and it's such a unique message. Um, and to your point of saying like the message goes for a long time, it goes for eternity. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And Corbin has a meeting to get to in a minute. So I want to, we can wrap up here in a few, but before Chris, you jumped on here, it was just Corbin and I, and we were talking about, um, the record he sent me the songs that I sent you and those are the it's not out yet this record doesn't come out till when does it come out October September 24th September 24th so mid tour I love it yeah yeah perfect. actually so, first weekend of the tour yeah. that'll be great I didn't oh that's perfect. yeah it really worked out nice um, but my first comment was um, how killer the vocal sound was so then I asked him what mic did you guys do the overdubs with and he said we didn't so that's the live vocal from that night, and it's that Neumann 105 capsule. Oh, wow. That really? Get, it, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I was shocked by that. Wireless? Wireless. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I'm curious, Chris, if like it works for you, if the stages are small, does it still work? Like all that. Right. Yeah, I'm curious too. And I guess that's... I guess we'll find out differently every day. And that, and that's no pressure. The thing is, we just expect it to sound like the record now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because everyone's good. You guys are going to, I'm sitting here thinking, they're talking about it too. I'm thinking, I mean, I'm literally, guys, there's going to be like the option of two reverbs, a pitch or a chorus or some modulation and a delay. Oh, that's, that's interesting. But, I have to save all my questions because I'm so freaking excited for this. I'm going to sit down and sit in the crowd and just take notes. Yeah, but what I promise you, I guarantee you at the end of the day, you're going to be like, I mean, I kind of hurt. Maybe I heard the effects. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. They're, I'm just saying they're in the toolkit. I get it. But I they're probably, it. what matters to me is going to be is clarity. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and that's, that's the, that's way more than my reverb. Um, and that's, and that's what we'll shoot for and, and we'll get it. I mean, we just will. Well, I really think, I mean, one of the things I'm most looking forward to is I love that word clarity because it was apparent to me last night and it was definitely apparent to us last week at All Access. Mm. I think there are a lot of guys out there who've just gotten caught up in this more is more mentality. And I love the idea of, you know, let's find the essentials, whether that's a part, whether that's a hook, whether that's a tone whether that's the vocal sound, whatever it is, and try to build clarity around a mix. And I think a lot of people are going to be surprised with yes. all three of our approaches, how 
little kind of whiz bang stuff is actually going on. Yeah. I, th- I think, you know, simplicity is sometimes the best path to find that clarity. And Chris, I know you want to keep it simple, and I haven't told Corbin this yet, but mm-hmm. uh, Chris is going to have a small arsenal of some outboard gear. Oh, baby. So, like, I I would love to hear some of their stuff at some point. You go like, okay, here's the distressor on whatever. Sure. Just to hear it, I may just, like, poke you to, like, hey, come on, just throw that on there. Just to put it on there. Sure. Yeah. And, we'll, yeah. and trust me, I want to do as much as I can. Yeah. It's just what can we get away with and what – remember on the last one of these we did, guys – Corbin, I know you got to bail in a second. But I was talking about how sometimes in a PA, hearing my effect sounds hokey to me. Mm. Yeah. Like it just – it just it sounds concrete and uh, – and I don't mean solid. I mean literally it just is like abrasive and some sometimes effects work live. Sometimes they're distracting and hokey sounding, you know? So – That's great. Corbin, you got anything before you go? You want to ask Chris? No, I mean, number one, just super excited. I think this is going to be such a unique uh, event for us to play. And especially just from my personal vantage point, being having done your guys' world, not to the level you've done it, obviously, but having been in your guys' world and spending a lot of time in and out of that, having done stuff on the studio side, I feel really excited about all the conversations around this, um, just like we had today. Because I think this is the stuff that, uh, bridges the gap between worship leader and production. And mm-hmm. um, to me, the more and more that that churches can get a hold of that um, and and start telling the story together, the better it gets. So thanks for having me today. Cool. That's awesome, thanks, man. Corbin. And hey, hit me. This is legitimate. Please hit me offline here yeah. if you want to chat further. Or we're talking about that, the track deployment, so to speak, you know, or anything. Just just let me know and we'll we'll chat it up. Awesome. Love it. Thanks, guys. Chat soon. All right, Corbin. See you later, man. Good to see you, Corbin. See ya. See you, bud. That's almost cheating in a way. Like I know someone that aware, that cool, that open, and that already there. Because I was knowing that he had to leave. I was thinking I was going to tell you guys this. I just got done working with somebody who's every now and then again client, and um, their track to band approach it couldn't be worse. And it's like, there's, and <laughs> I'm there. Sucks. So on such a moonlighting level, so infrequently that there's no point. I'm not reinventing the wheel. Every time I show up, I'm literally just having going, okay, Let's here we get go. Through this. And it, <laughs> yeah. And it, yeah. And it is space bar tracks are the album or, or not only the album, they are parts of the album yeah, plus what has been added from Oof. NMD to be this new more than arrangement. And then we put the band on top. Uh, and it's funny, as time, is, as time has gone on, I, I, I'm meeting more and more people like Corbin. Like these conversations are kind of getting easier. because people. You know what I think that is? I think it's because guys like Corbin now have access to the same methods they may not be able to have a manly reference condenser mic and a, an original 76, but he's got a slate microphone and a Waves Mercury bundle at yeah. 15 years old. Exactly. You know, so I think they're starting so early making their own music, their appreciation for it, and knowing what actually goes into it. They're coming into this with a whole different skill set than musicians have had before. Yep. And with that skill set comes confidence 
meaning and in, in turn they're not immediately on guard when we start having these conversations they're very chill you know yep. mm-hmm. so i would ask the artist who is bombarding you with all that stuff it's and it's an honest question i don't mean this sarcastically it's like guys can can you tell me what was wrong with the way the song was played on the radio because right. that's the hit yeah. so why are, 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 right. are we adding all this extra stuff just out of boredom or you just you just want to i don't know i it's it's funny to me it's like why not go with what got you there and if it's a rock and roll song that was played by a band or it was this dance track that was just a track it's a little incongruous for it to have to be both when it's live right i don't know that's far too logical it's a different (laughs) question for another day but yeah i wonder i wonder what their answer would be yeah if you had the relational capital to have that conversation right to go I really do want to know, like, can somebody tell me mm-hmm. what was wrong with the way we used to do the song? Cause that's the one that was the radio hit. Right. Anyway. And, and attaining that relational capital to ask that very question would literally is literally like the turning point in the movie. Like it's everything. Yes. You know what I mean? Is. And in a lot of movies, you don't ever get there, you know, right. you know, because like, it's such a logical question. And the answer is like, that's nah, all politics. There was nothing wrong. It's just someone. It's just someone justifying their own existence. You know, yeah. trying to keep their job, make themselves seem useful, or seem more important. You know, we got to add more. Yeah, Look yeah. at us adding more. You know, it's there's a lot of that. So, um, I've seen that done well too, though. Like, sure, the the Timberlake band, dude, they do some crazy hits and these like transition pieces between tracks that I feel like add to. Yeah, but they're not taking away the lead line from Senorita and covering it up with something else, you know. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be cool to see which uh which way we go with this. Knowing knowing that you've mixed these guys before Lee, now I'm like, "Oh man, he's going to know every song." And so how am I supposed to do How am I supposed to compete with that? Well, there's brand new songs. I hear so, you. So, you know, those that you're going to be doing are brand new. So, um but yeah, I mean, I get that too, but on my side, I'm just like, "You Potentially, it's going to make me look like, well, you need to pick up some of what he did. <laughs> I think it'll be both. Probably. It'll absolutely 100% so. be both. Yeah, you for know? sure. Like, hey, man, I've mixed these guys three times now. How do you do yeah. it? Like, what are you <laughs> yeah. doing? And the answer is going to be so <laughs> underwhelmingly simple. Yeah. Like it always is. Hey, what totally. did you do on that part? Nothing. Like, he uh, cued it. You know, there's like... There's, yeah. It's just the DI. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. just that, yeah, like, nothing. There's no bells and <laughs> whistles. Turned it up. Exactly. Well, I love what this conversation is going to be. Like, I am so excited. And the, the thing that people aren't going to get to experience, we talked about this a few weeks ago, is the conversations that happen offline after the event on the bus or on the day off yeah. that take this even further. It's, it's, right. it's going to be so great. Well, cool, fellas. That was awesome. Chris, yeah. thanks for doing this again. Of course. Of course. And I th- are we three weeks away? We are three weeks away. We are Literally. less than three weeks away. Less than. Three weeks from today will be day two. Yes. Wow. We, we've we already missed load in by two days. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Cool. I'll talk to you guys. 
Thanks, right. Chris. Okay, later. Well, that was awesome. It just makes me more and more excited about the tour. For sure. Um, again, the whole reason we started this freaking thing was for you and I to learn. And yep. I said it before, it feels a little selfish of me to rig this up to have Raybold mix a band that I mix for, but what better way? Even just what like- What better way to learn? Yeah, it's one thing, you know, having you guys critique my mix and like tell me to try things. It's a whole other thing to have someone else mix your band. With the band actually there. Yeah. Not just their tracks, but they're actually on stage. There was one point in the conversation, the most impactful thing that I just heard was when Chris went to, he was talking to Corbin about redoing the track layout. And he said, okay, can we do this? And then he stopped and he looked in the camera at Corbin. And he went, actually, let me rephrase that. Let's do this. So mm. even the way he's talking to Corbin, like we're doing this together. Yeah. It's like, that's how you do that. Yeah, totally. It's awesome. But there's a reason There's a reason behind it because he's thinking strategically about how he wants to have certain things blown out or the ability to control certain elements in a way that you may not be able to do with just a two-track mix of tracks. Right. So I think a lot of people are going to learn a lot about even that yep. process and conversation and how to navigate stuff like that with their own worship leader that's going to be invaluable. Totally. And then him saying, hey, when this is over, reach out so we can keep talking. This is not for show. This is actually happening. So it's just this is real time, super folks. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, have you heard anything more from Jay? No, let me check the OI message here. Oh, he did text me. Nope, he didn't. He did not text me. All right. Well, we need to make sure he's okay. So we should probably sign off. We should. But anything else we need to let the people know before we let them go? I think we pretty much covered it. And um, we're going to do a podcast like almost every night of the tour. So. We got lots of stuff coming. Yeah, it's going to be great. It Cannot is awesome. wait. All right, fellas. Well, have a happy Labor Day. I said, fellas, it's just you. I miss it's Jay. Just me. I know. It's all right. He'll Let's be go. back. Let's go call him. Happy Labor Day. Hey, you too. All right. See you. <laughs>